Hey there, I'm Dana, a registered dietitian and registered dietitian exam tutor. And this is my podcast where we go over all of the questions that have been posted to my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Study Group with Dana over the past week. And we not only chat about the answers, but why are they the answers as well as answer any questions that students have posted on the page throughout the week. This is a weekly podcast, so be sure to tune in each week for new questions. And of course, I would love to see any of you guys at the live version of this on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So the first question we have is less of a question, more of me making a statement on the page. And I put up a picture of the metabolism of vitamin D. And if you're listening on the podcast, just do a quick Google search and images for metabolism of vitamin D so that you can see this picture. And I wrote that I want to remind you that you need to know the different forms of vitamin D on the exam. And one way I like to help my students remember the different forms is I like to remind them that the number that's in front of the name of the different forms of vitamin D kind of gets more complicated, increases as we go through our metabolism. So when we're starting out with just the vitamin D that's coming from sunlight, we're having this seven, right? So this is kind of our lowest number, um, dihydro cholesterol. So this is the type that comes from the sun. Then when we're getting to the liver, we're complicating the number a little bit more. So we're doing 25, right? So a higher number. And here we have the 25 hydroxyoxyvitamin D3. And this is going to be once it's processed through the liver. And then once it's through the kidney and it's fully activated, this is when we're having the most complicated number of them all where we're having 125-dihydroxyvitamin D3. And so you can see it kind of goes 7, 25, 125. So that's a great way, kind of thinking it gets more complicated to remember kind of the different forms. And you also want to remember that vitamin D is activated in two steps by the liver and kidney, So that means anyone who has liver, kidney issues, or with a lot of our patients, both, we're going to be seeing that they're going to have decreased vitamin, activated vitamin D in their body. So you need to make sure they're supplementing with vitamin D, even if they are having large quantities of vitamin D food or they're outside all the time. Next question we have is one from Meredith. It's a math one, so get your calculators out. So we have the question, Caitlin is opening a neighborhood craft coffee shop. Ooh, that sounds fun. And she wants to maintain a food cost percentage of 40%. The portion cost of her ham and cheese croissant is going to be $0.4819. What should her selling price be? And she's saying, Meredith is, in her question, she's saying, I got the question right. But all I did was divide my food cost divided by 100, I mean, by our 40%, so 0.4, and got the right answer. But Pocket Prep is saying to do the markup factor first. What would you do here? And this is a great question because you're going to find a lot of the time in the math, sometimes when you're doing practice questions, you're getting the answer correct, but you're like, I don't know how I got there. And I have my students do that in their homework all the time. And so, you know, I want you guys to be careful because just because 
you are getting it right kind of on a guess and you somehow got there doesn't mean you actually know it. So pocket prep is telling her, oh, you should be using markup factor and you should. So with this question, this is one of our pricing equations. So when we have our pricing equations, we have three pricing equations that we need to know. So we have prime cost, we have factor pricing or traditional pricing. Those are the same thing. They can be used interchangeably. And then we also are going to be having our cost plus pricing. So when we just have food cost and my food cost percentage, this is when we're going to be using cost. Um, we're using our markup factor to find what our cost should be. So markup factor is one of the easiest ones. So you're taking 100 and dividing it by 40. So 100 divided by 40 is going to be our 2.5. And so then we're taking that and we're doing, okay, on my markup factor times my food cost, which is going to be 0 0.4819 dollars here. And so here that's telling us when we multiply that times 2.5, that's telling us that we should have a we should sell the product for $1.20. And a way to double check your math, and this is one of the best things about factor pricing, is you don't have to necessarily do this because you'll have the answer bank. And you know that my selling price, or X, if I divide my food cost by that, it should give you the 40%. So you could always set up your equation as raw food cost, which they'll give you over X, equals 40% and just plug in your answer options and you'll be able to do it. But you definitely do want to know the equations because just getting lucky on the questions and getting them right isn't going to set you up for success. You want to make sure that you're really reviewing your math, you're knowing what you're doing, and if math's a trouble area for you, definitely check out the Math Bootcamp recorded class. Next one, we have a question from me. In order to make for a manufacturer to label a food as, quote, healthy, it must contain less than three grams of fat and our options are A, less than 120 milligrams of cholesterol, less than 480 milligrams of sodium, greater than two grams of protein, greater than three grams of dietary fiber. So even if you're looking at this one and you're like, I'm not 100% sure which one this is, you should notice, right, that less than 480 milligrams of protein, that's at least like a quarter of our day. So like that's definitely not going to be healthy. So kind of throw that out. And then it can be kind of difficult to know, you know, which one it is. And so this is coming from a combo of domain three, no, I mean, sorry, domain four and domain one in our food labels. This is going to be a nutrient content claim regulated by the FDA. And so this one is going to be A. And a reason behind this, so that's going to be low cholesterol, low fat, is because when the healthy criteria was made, this was back when we were like, fat is bad, low fat, 100 calorie packs, perfect. And so there's more of kind of an emphasis on fat. An interesting thing, and it won't affect you guys taking the exam in this year, 2023, quite yet, but they're redoing what's considered healthy. 
And you might have seen kind of some people chiming in about that on the news. But they're looking to redo it because what's labeled as healthy isn't necessarily actually reflective of what we should be doing. Next one we have, after reviewing the results of menu engineering, what is the best way to manage a puzzle? So when we're thinking about menu engineering, we're thinking puzzle, star, dog, plow horse. And we're thinking about how do they, um, you know, how do they fall in terms of profitability and popularity? So we want to be thinking about, well, what properties does my puzzle have? So my puzzle is going to make me a lot, a lot of money, but no one is buying it. So I'm not making a lot of money. So let's see what our options are. We have A, remove the menu item from the menu. B, decrease the menu item selling price. C, serve smaller portions of the menu item. And D, give the menu a top priority. And so this one is a little bit tricky because there's two different ways to talk about what we should do for when we have a puzzle. So either you can be putting it on promotion, which could be, you know, putting it on sale. It could also be having a sign up that's saying, you know, get this and get this for free, you know. Oh, so that can get confusing with, should we put it as D, you know, D, which is give the menu the top priority. And so that one would be a great option, um, would be a great option if, you know, saying like more kind of promoting because top priority, I don't know what that means. Is it the first thing you see on the menu? Is there a sign? It's a little bit vague. So the best thing to do would be B, decrease the selling price because that's going to be kind of putting it on sale. People are going to be more likely to want something that's a little bit cheaper. You know, so like, let's say this is the clam chowder that's $12. Now listen, you're like, oh, now it's $10. People are going to be more likely to buy that. When we're thinking about, well, which one would be the best to remove from the item from the menu in total, this would be the dog. So I like to think the dog is in the dog house. Just get it out of there. The plow horse would be what you want to serve smaller portions for because this one, everyone's buying it, but you're not making money on it. So you would want to decrease the portion size so that people will still buy it. Um, that so that people would still buy it, you know, but you wouldn't want to increase the price, although increasing a price could be an option, but a lot of people are going to kind of, you know, back away from it. You know, think about Subway. You guys probably remember when Subway had the $5 foot long, and then they went to like $6 foot long, and you're like, no, 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 what? This doesn't work anymore. It's supposed to be $5 foot long. There's a song. You know, when it, what it would have been a little bit better for them was to kind of decrease the portion size of it. Because people are so used to getting the $5 foot long, you know, that they're probably not going to notice that you get like one less piece of meat or one less piece of cheese or if the foot longs really aren't a foot long. Although I feel like there's always people on YouTube who like measure that stuff too. Okay, next question we have is a question from Anne. Looks like it's out of Inman. So we have a recipe requires one and a half pints of cleaned sliced strawberries. The yield of the strawberries is going to be 91%. One cup of clean sliced strawberries weighs seven ounces. At a minimum, how many pounds of strawberries should be ordered? And our options we have here 
are going to be saying, are going to be saying, okay, we have could do one and a half, we could do one pound, we could do one and three quarters pound, or we could do two pounds. And so the tricky thing here is that we have a lot of units. We're also kind of working on off to our EP, AP, so it can get very, very confusing. So the first thing that I would the first thing I would want to be doing here is to really be thinking about, okay, well, what is my equation? So my equation, my base equation is going to be AP as purchased times percent yield is going to be equal to my edible portion. And so my edible portion is given here, right? They're telling me that my yield is 91%. Perfect. They're telling me my yield is 91%. And then I want to kind of plug in what else I have. So it's saying we need to finish with 1.5 pints of the strawberries. So whenever we're thinking of my pints, we're thinking about, you know, we're thinking about that a pint is two cups. Think about, you know, almost, you know, that like a beer pint, like I feel like for Irish people, you know, is kind of, you know, like large. It's not just eight ounces. So that's two cups, which would be six, which would be 16 ounces. So what we're saying is, okay, I need to be having two, one and a half pints to finish with, okay? And then I'm trying to solve for what should my edible portion, I mean, I have my edible portion, I'm looking for my as purchase. What do I actually need to solve for? You know, is what do I buy at the store that's going to allow me, that's gonna allow me to get there? And then I also have this add-on that one cup of strawberries is seven ounces. And if we're trying to answer in pounds, I need to be in weight, not volume. So now I need to convert. I want to convert everything. So I'm saying, okay, at the end, I need to have 1.5 pints of strawberries. And I know one cup is seven ounces. So let me find the weight for that. So let me convert my pints. So 1.5 times two. So this is three cups. So three cups times seven ounces per cup is 21 ounces. So I'm trying to finish with 21 ounces. I wanna be in pounds, so I'm just gonna to convert to pounds right away. So I'm gonna divide 21 by 16. So it's gonna be 1.3 pounds is what I wanna finish with. So my equation setup should now say AP times 91% equals 1.3 pounds. And so to find my AP, I need to do 1.3 divided by 0.91. And so that's going to tell me that I need to buy at least 1.43 pounds. So I look back up at my answer and I'm like, okay, my options are 1.5 pounds, one pound, one and a quarter pound, two pounds. So I can't pick one pound because that it will not be enough. So the best answer there will be 1.5 pounds. And this one was a long one. So to kind of review the steps we did, we first set up our equation. 
EP times percent yield equals edible portion, my EP. Then we plugged in what we had. So we had AP times 91% yield is equal to 21 ounces or 1.3 pounds because we are not dealing in volume. We're trying to answer in weight. And then we divided the 1.3 pounds by our 0.91 to say we need 1.43 pounds. So when you're doing the math, you'll often hear me say, keep your units tight to get it right. Because what you're thinking about is a lot of the time they're trying to confuse you with your units. So if this one you had kept in your pints, you would have gotten it wrong. So if volume is different than weight. The next question we have is from Anne, and so she's saying, for this question, when calculating calorie to nitrogen ratio, I'm dividing the calories by the grams of nitrogen, and I chose an answer. But the key says that is wrong. I thought for ratios, we divide to the lowest number. So this one is one out of Inman, where it's giving you um, the calorie, you're trying to find the total calories for the TPN, and then you're thinking about nitrogen balance. So calories to nitrogen balance, what we want to be thinking of is she's right. So you take your calories. So let's just say for an example that our total calories is 1,300. And then our nitrogen, which remember we find our nitrogen by taking our grams of protein. Let's say it's 55. Um, and then what we're doing is we're saying for every 6.25 grams of protein, I'm getting one gram of nitrogen. So I would divide 55, divide by 6.25. And so that would give me 8.8 .8 grams of nitrogen. So my answer here, you know, you could say, okay, for, you know, 1300 divided by 8.8, .8, but you're going to want to divide down because how we're going to want to report this is for like every, you know, X calories, you're giving one gram of nitrogen. So if we divide 1,300 divided by 8.8, .8, that's going to tell me um, for every 148 calories, I'm giving one gram of nitrogen. So you do want to be dividing it down because we're not going to be reporting it as for every 1,300 calories, you give 8.8. .8. You want to be able to say, okay, well, you know, it's going to be more of, you know, for every 148, we're giving one gram. Really, you don't see it used that much in clinical and clinical practice. I've never used it. Next question we have is from me. And I said, this emulsifier is manufactured by splitting a fatty acid off a triglyceride molecule and used in frozen desserts, shortening margarine. Options are lecithin. Um, we have EDTA, we have a diglyceride, and glycerol. And so this one, everyone goes emulsifier, lecithin. Lecithin is definitely an emulsifier, but this is a question for the exam where you do not even need to be a food science expert. You don't even need to have studied it recently to get the answer. Because what this question is trying to get you to do is to say, okay, well, I have a try. I took one off, what am I left with? I'm left with a dye. So the answer here is diglycerol because we're taking a triglycerol, removing one fatty acid, what would that leave us with? A dye. 
So don't answer questions just because you're like, oh, I recognize that vocab word because you might, you might be wrong too. Thanks for tuning in for this week's practice question review. Don't forget that we are doing these live on my Facebook page, Registered Dietitian Exam Tutoring with Dana RD, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I would love to have you join live. You can also head to my website, danajfnutrition.com, to find out about the latest classes as well as study tips and services. Thanks for tuning in.